just if you didn't hear already, guys, the handout on the who, who are you, really, that's, uh, that's your homework. And I know you guys didn't come here doing homework, but uh, I, that's going to be for next week. We're going to be talking about that, and instead of taking time during the, our study portion to be working on that, I'd really like for you guys to take that home, work on it, and uh, I'd also recommend you take it home for your one for your wife. Either make a copy of that or take another one home for her. Uh, I'll even throw this out for those of you with you know, kids still at home. Uh, I think probably somebody who's at least in youth group should be able to do it. Uh, worst case scenario, I think you probably could do it for your own kids to get an idea. Uh, because this is going to help you learn who your personalities are for you, your spouse, your kids. Because we're going to be talking about next week starting out serving together, doing things together, you know, living together. And if you know who you really are, as all Wells know who your wife and your kids are, it's going to help you understand things a lot better with that. Uh, but let's, for tonight, who remembers, we'll start, who remembers what we talked about last week, the main thing? Hey, my biggest fear remembers. I don't know if I'd say love him faster, but we'll grow close. As we grow closer to God, we grow closer to our spouse. So we're going to work on that and follow up on that a little bit more. Okay, thanks, Dan, for popping up the. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lisa is going to follow up on what you're doing. Tim Shear, that was not nice. But, you know, we're going to follow up on the triangles and working on our relationship with God, but also tonight we're going to work on a lot. We're going to get into our relationship with our wife and having that grow. Uh, we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 5. And while you guys may be able to pull out as we're going through this, pull out other verses and other things in context, this is going to be our starting point. And we're going to try to go through this uh, Almost verse by verse. I'm willing to do it verse by verse. We'll see how much time we have to get through there. But there are certain things I've pulled out that we'll talk about. But uh, we're going to go through it. And we're going to look on our relationship. And back actually our relationships. The one we have with God and the one we have with our wife. Uh, so the first part is Ephesians chapter 5. And, you know, everybody would look at the second half where it talks about wives and husbands. But before we get to that part of Ephesians 5, we're going to start with chapter 1. Uh, sorry, not chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> we can start in chapter 1, but that'll take even longer to get there. But verse 1, and we're going to uh, look for verses 1 through 21. If somebody would like to read them, I think, do you have, Dan, do you have two different slides? Yep. Okay. So if you either have it, you know, pull it up on your phone or in your Bible, or if you want to look off the screen. Because uh, I'd like to just have somebody read 1 through 21 so that we can at least get our first starting point here. I have a volunteer who wants to read some of that? Okay, thanks. Uh, therefore, be imitators of God and beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. With sexual immorality and all of your 
back, Dan. So, of course, the worst part about doing a chapter that starts with the word therefore is... That's right. So, for those of you who do have your Bible, you know, without going into a lot of detail, what do you kind of see there at the end of chapter 4? Because we want to see what, why is there a therefore to start this chapter. And just remember, chapters and verses are man-made. So, you know, this was all one nice long letter. It didn't have little numbers on it when uh, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. In not detail, but just general concept, what is the end of chapter 4 all about? It says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what else? Basic Christian conduct. Yep. You know, making sure we're living the right way. No, not grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, be kind one another. You know, don't have all different types of wrong attitudes, behaviors. Uh, ESV, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, also at the very end. So, once again, we're back on relationships. You know, those are relationships that are dealing with others, not just our spouse. But if we're working on that relationship also with our spouse and others, it also has an impact on our relationship with God. Because if we're doing all those right things, hopefully we will not be grieving the Holy Spirit. And then that gets us into chapter 5. And it talks about being imitators of God. What is an imitator? Okay. And let's go a little bit further. It says imitators as beloved children. Anybody here have kids? Okay. Uh, yeah. What do kids like to imitate? Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, your children will see what you're doing. They're going to start acting the same way. You know, if you use bad language, guess what? 
they're going to use bad language. If you're kind to people, say thank you and please. They're probably going to be saying kind, thank you, and please also. Uh, but what is our example to be an imitator? Christ. Christ, yep. Be imitators of God. And our human example of that is Christ, who was 100% man and 100% God. Is it easy to be that type of an imitator? Yes. <laughs> No, why? Yeah, no, that ties in also with what Mark's covering right now. We have that sinful nature. You know, for those of us who have asked God for forgive us for our sins and have Christ come into our life, you know, we now have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we still have that flesh human nature. And that's the battle, and I think Mark's going to be covering a lot of that over the, the next several weeks, that we're always going to be battling our sinful nature. But we, we have the example. We know who we should be an imitator of. But what are you guys doing to help you be an imitator of God? Prayer? Prayer? Reading God's Word? Fellowship, yeah. Fellowship, yeah. I'll Throw it, you, you're a good point. With godly men. Repentance. repentance. What does the term repentance basically mean? Turn away. Completely. When we make a mistake, does God still love us? Are there consequences sometimes for our mistakes? <laughs> yeah. uh, but God still loves us. God will always love us no matter what mistakes we make. How does he, I don't know if react is the right word, that's putting him into human terms, but how does he treat us when we make a mistake? Yeah. But in a kind, loving way not in a mean, harsh way. If our wife makes a mistake, how do we react? <laughs> and I know we're joking here about how we do things, but I think we've also seen the other side of that, where people really do react that way. Okay. And that's not good for a marriage. You know, once again, it, you know, going back, you know, the marriage is not a competition between you and your wife. You know, you're not trying to always win and do better and, you know, point out all her mistakes. If she, if she makes a mistake, you should come alongside her, you know, point it out in a loving, kind manner, but also show the way we should be doing things. How would you want to be treated? Yeah. I mean, we want, we want to be treated that way. We want God to treat us that way. Should we be treating others, especially our wife, in that same manner? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we always already talk about, you know, Jesus is our example 
for how we should be walking. What does verse 2 talk about? What did he do? What else? What's the biggest thing he did for us? Yeah. I mean, think about that, that God loved us so much that he died for us so that we could have eternal life with him. No. Does that have an impact on your thoughts with your marriage? treasure is there your heart will be also verse 3 but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints why do you think Paul would pick out those specific ones Let me go back to last week. We did the Ten Commandments. Remember, first four dealt with our relationship with God. The last six dealt with relationship with others. Does anyone remember what what two of those were that are also in here? Related? Thou shalt not, in the King James Version. Yep. And commit adultery. Why is that hard, we'll say, especially for men? Covetousness. Not so much, I'm not getting into the adultery part, but it's, that's a, I think that's part of our covetousness would lead to the potential for adultery. But why is covetousness a problem for men? We're one of
our goal is not to for me to do better than Dan, to do better than Jack. Uh, you know, the an old old Stephen Curtis Chapman song talks about God doesn't want our better than. Okay, my goal is not to be better than that table, to better the people at that table, because I'm still going to fall way short. I mean, my example is Jesus. You know, God's word gives us. Uh, you know, the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay? You know, that's our, that's our blueprint. That's our guide. We shouldn't be trying to, you know, do better than to one-up somebody else. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, do that in one way, and that is, how do you want others to do it? So, uh, yeah. how do you want I shouldn't be trying to get ahead of somebody financially, ahead of somebody else doing that. I should be doing God, and we'll get into a little bit more with spiritual gifts and who we are. You know, God's given me certain spiritual gifts. I should be using them to the best of my ability. I shouldn't be using my spiritual gifts to try to do better than somebody else. Uh, and especially when you get into the, you know, the marriage relationship, it's not, I'm not trying to do better than my wife. We're, we're a team. We're together. Verse 4, and once again, I think this is another area probably men have problems with more than women. Let there be no filthiness, filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For those of you in the, the workplace with other people, is this a problem? Do we get caught up in it? Yeah. The uh, Greek word, and I'm not very good at Greek, for foolish talking is morologia. And this is the only place in the New Testament where it's used. And it basically means our talk should be used to instruct or edify and not be idle chit-chat. Uh, I think, you know, once again, that goes back, you know, the covetousness, the one-upness, you know, what do we do with our talk? We try to rip and tear down other people. And, you know, God's coming around and saying, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be, you know, talking. Let there be thanksgiving in your talk. You know, encouraging one another, building up one another. Uh, and while it, it's difficult in the workplace maybe to have that, we should, you know, men's group, church, community groups, those type of things, we should be always encouraging one another, coming alongside one another. If we hear of a brother struggling, we shouldn't be then going to some other brother and saying, hey, you know what he's doing? What happened to him? You know, 
Jimmy's going through this. He's really screwed up that. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. I should be coming right to Jimmy and saying, Jim, I've, you know, I've heard this. What can I do to help you? Um, and I think we have a tendency to not, to be afraid to take that step. But once again, that goes back to our relationship with God and with others. We need to be coming along. Then, you know, with our wife, if we see our wife, you know, once again, make the mistake, do we come alongside her and try to build her back up? Or do we go to and tell, come to men's group and talk poorly of our wife? Remember, some of us, the only impression we have of, they have of our wives is what they hear from us. <coughs> Uh, verses 5 and 6 what are the consequences for our sinful behavior yeah. Yeah. so if you've never asked for forgiveness that sinful behavior will lead to a eternity in hell it, it's not a place where it's all fun you know you remember the, you know, playing all the games and having fun, you know, drinking beer and stuff like that. I can't remember. There's a song. No. Although, that, I, I think it was Greg Laurie said it. You know, rock and roll got things right. There's a highway to hell, but a stairway to heaven. <laughs> and I'm thinking that is so true. You know, the road is wide that leads to destruction and narrow that leads to heaven. And, you know, so, yes, there are, I don't, I'm not going to tell you to go out and listen to rock and roll to get saved, but <laughs> they got that part right. Uh, okay, verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them, you know, the unbelievers. Why should we not become partners with an unbeliever? I'm not just talking about a marriage relationship, although that's a big, and if you're already in the marriage relationship, there's a whole other set of scripture that tells you you should stay in that relationship to try to win your spouse over. But why should we not become partners with an unbeliever? Why should, you know, for the single guys over there, why should they not be dating an unbeliever? you the second Corinthians one more Would like somebody like to read second Corinthians 6 14 through 16 it's up on the screen So, you know, in a dating relationship, in a working relationship, we should not be yoked with an unbeliever. Uh, the one example I always remember is if you, you know, put a believer up on a chair, standing on a chair, and you have somebody on the ground, what's easier, to pull that person off the chair or to pick the person up onto the chair? 
easier to pull them down. And we've got to remember, too, what did we just hear about with the unbeliever? You know, they're unrighteous. Their goal is not to be building you up and to be helping you. Their, job, their, their goal is to, to try to get ahead of you and get the best of you. So if you're trying to engage in a partnership with that type of a person, it's not going to work for you. Those of you with, you know, single children or some of us with single grandchildren, you know, besides their relationship with Christ, the next important relationship is going to be with their spouse. Uh, you should be, you know, even for they're not of dating age, be praying for them now for who their future spouse will be. You know, I try to, even now, I have four and six-year-old grandchildren, I'm praying for them. For them to meet that right person to be yeah, a godly spouse. And you know, for those of you, it, I'm going to say, especially fathers of <coughs> girls, take an interest in who they're dating. We got a couple of softball bats we can use. <laughs> uh, you know, you are responsible for your child as long as they're in their household. Set the standards. Uh, you know, it's okay to be called mean daddy. I got that a lot of times. But I now look and see how blessed I am with, you know, a son-in-law and grandchildren. You know, you, know, you got you to gotta take that leadership role. You got to be responsible for your family. We talked about that last week. You know, that's part of who being a man is. And you know, yeah, your kids may hate you when they're small and they're young. Especially those teenage years may be tough. But if you don't get tough and work through those teenage years, their adult years are going to be even harder. So work on it now. Be praying about that now. And uh, I think we already heard. Don't compromise. You know, your kid, your child may not listen to you, but if you don't say anything, they won't ever even hear it. You know, 
allow them, you know, they will make their own choices. You can't make the choice for them, but if you don't tell them right from wrong, no, you know they're going to go down the wrong path. That's the human sinful inclination. Uh, you know, yeah, I know a lot of people here in our church have children that are not believers, and they're praying for them. And, you know, we're called to do all the right things. That doesn't guarantee that our kids are going to be a Christian. But we need to do what is right. And then trust God for the rest. Uh, you know, look at the prodigal son. You know, that child made the decision and went the wrong path, but then knew the truth and came back. So we need to teach our kids the truth. And if they don't accept it when they're young, they at least know what the truth is and hopefully will come back. Uh, That's a scary thought. Yeah. If you think about that, because their idea of a father, God the Father, is the father I have. And uh, that's a scary thought. Now, they may never say that, but that's the impression that you think you have. And uh, no, no man, I don't care who you are, whatever father you are, you're not perfect. Uh, jumping down to verse 21, you know, before we get into wives and husbands, how does he end this paragraph? Dan, can you flip to the next slide? Thank you. Yep. Pardon? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, you know, while we're still here talking about general relationships, not just the spouse in this section, you know, is it easy for a guy to submit? But what is it, what's the, what's the caveat that goes with it? It's just not a submission. Submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's not, I'm a weakling and I'm just going to do whatever somebody tells me to do. That's having a, a right attitude as you're working and dealing with somebody. Any thoughts or questions on those verses? Yes. Yeah, and Their whole focus is not 
good people who are non-Christians, but their basis is not Christ. Uh, and I can't remember, I know you shared the example about Rowan with the unequally yoked, and I can't remember what two people, who did he grab with him? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Tom. And, you know, because the idea of having two oxen yoked together of the same size is it goes even and straight, and you keep that straight and narrow path for, you know, getting ready to plant the field. If you have two, you know, two different types of animals, different sizes, you're going to, you know, go offline. You're not going to be straight and narrow. And, you know, we need to stay focused and go straight. Okay. Oh, good. You got it all on one slide, Dan. Thank you. Uh, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, wives and husbands. Somebody like to read those for us? What does it mean for the wife to submit to the husband? I know I am. I had a non-Christian co-worker who asked if my wife walked three steps behind me as submission. And I said, that is not what that means. So what does it mean? Sometimes you'll see people use a different word besides submit. Respect. And I think in this day and age, respect sometimes has a better connotation to it, but it still goes back to the, the true, uh, what I would call God-ordained authority of the family. Uh, you know, there's a... Uh, even know if it's still around, Bill Gothard Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts around probably in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even into the 90s. He used to talk about the umbrella of protection with the God-ordained authority. You know, God was the umbrella. You know, the husband, the wife, and the children. 
and you needed to stay under that umbrella because if somebody gets outside, tries to usurp the authority, take responsibility and not in the right order, you know, if it's raining, you're protected. When you step outside of the authority, you, you're out of the, the God-ordained authority, which means even like if your kids or your wife try to go outside of that authority, they're no longer truly under God's ultimate protection of how the family should be set up. Uh, but what does that mean we have to do? If we're going to be in charge and responsible for our family, what do we really have to do? Let's go back to the definition of a man. Yeah. You know, reject passivity. Lead courageously. Take responsibility. You know, if we want our wife and our children to you know, respect and submit to that God-ordained authority, what do we have to do? Lead by example. So, the more you and your wife become more Christ-like, you will never have that. You shouldn't have that push and shove on who's in charge and whatever. Somebody told me once when I was in the military, he said, if you think you're leading, you look behind you and there's nobody following you, you're just going for a walk. <laughs> and, and that stuck with me from 40-some years ago, and it's always made sense. I want to follow. Does being in charge of the family mean that everything you say, she should say yes, dear? No. It's not just you say this and this is the way it is and this is the only way it is and this is how it goes. No. You're, we are ultimately responsible for our wife and our family, but that doesn't mean she's just a silent person in that relationship. Um, you know, going back to the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts, you know, while the husband was in charge and responsible, a lot of times when it came to a decision that had to be made, a lot of the caution would come through the spouse, through your wife, mm -hmm. of, you know, I think we might want to be, you know, moving here, buying this, changing this job, you know, and while you're praying about it, a lot of that caution would come through the spouse, through your wife. And if you're not willing to listen, then she's going to stop sharing with you. Okay? And... You know, listening to your wife could help you avoid a lot of mistakes as a husband and 
the Father. Okay? Now, she's submitting to your authority because we are ultimately responsible for the family. You know, well, we need to do this, and it's a financial decision. And she may give you your opinion, but who is the responsible? You. You know, if she says, I think we might want to do this, and you say, okay, and it goes bad, it's not your wife's fault. Okay? You don't you turn around. Pardon? You bit the apple too. Yeah, and where was he when she bit the apple? Right there. Right there. <laughs> so, you know, we are responsible. Yes, there's a submission, but that submission is a godly submission out of respect for the authority that has been given within the household. We need to follow that, and we need to we need to show that we are that leader of the house. Okay. Uh, you know, Bob said, you know, he made mistakes. <laughs> I've made <laughs> I've made my share of mistakes too. Uh, but you also then, when you make the mistake, tell your wife. Yeah. For those of you with kids, you ever have to apologize to your kids and ask for forgiveness? Yeah. Yes, you are still the father. You're still responsible for that family. You're still, you know, the husband, but when you make the mistake, you need to say you made the mistake. You need to share with them. And, you know, they will then see, yes, you are human and make the mistakes, but you're still taking responsibility for the mistakes, and you're going to continue to lead the family and take responsibility. What is our true example of leadership of the family? in the family. Keep, yeah, I was going to say, keep it simple, guys. <laughs> you know, you know, I guess say, you know, the Bible is very simple in foundation and easy to see here's what we need to do. It's not, it's not easy for us to do all those things, but, you know, God gave us the Bible. He gave us other godly men so that we can see what the examples are that we should be doing. And, you know, we need to be, you know, when we're struggling, ask a brother in the Lord for help. Uh, you know, it could be as simple as going to the church and they can put you in touch with the right person who may be able to help you. Uh, last year we did the mentoring ship. You know, we've done that a few times over the years. Uh, and mentoring ship has all different kinds of things. It's not necessarily an age-based thing. Uh, I remember a long, long, long time ago, uh, they were encouraging the men to be doing into a mentorship program, and I was, you know, I was praying about it, and this guy came to mind of, you know, mentoring, and I'm like, I'm only four or five years older than him. I, that doesn't make sense, and he's also a good, solid Christian. And sure enough, one Sunday, he came up to me, and he said, Gary, he goes, I'd like Kim and you to help mentor my wife and I. And I, I laughed when he said that because that's, you know, what was going on. I said, I'm sorry to laugh, but I said, I've been praying about it. I've been thinking of approaching you, but it just didn't make sense. Well, yes, we were similar in age, but our kids were probably 10 years different or so. So they were now getting into raising their kids, and they were looking for another couple who had older kids, even though we weren't much different age-wise with them, to help with that mentoring process. So it's not, it's not just always an older, younger. It could also be lifestyle situations. Uh, and take advantage of the, the wisdom and knowledge that is in this room, that is in this church. 
There's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's, it's been there for thousands of years. It's going to be, well, less for when Christ returns, which we don't know. It could be here for another thousand years plus two. I, yeah. <laughs> I hope not too, but. <laughs> uh, you know, once again, simple, quick, hopefully easy answer. What did Jesus do for the church? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was the type of love Jesus had for us as the church. Do we have that type of love for our wife? Uh, are you working on preparing your wife and children for eternity? They're coming alongside, you know, the fifth commandment, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you. You know, the first commandment with a promise. You know, this isn't just about you and your wife and your generation. This is for generations to come. And think of the impact you can have, you know, through kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, you know, grandchildren and great-grandchildren who you may never see this side of eternity, the impact you can have in your community, in your family, and go on for generations. And I'll tell you, the other side is the impact on the negative side can also go on for generations too. I think part of care, part of can be too, is the financial side. Right? I keep on saying, like, ride or die first, And, you know, you hit on the financial part. In two weeks, those are the type of things. I don't have a specific outline of what we're going to do in two weeks, but I want to hear, and if you guys have questions, bring them to Dan or myself. You know, that week, I want to hear, I'm going to try to get a discussion of, you know, where are we struggling? I mean, come right out and let's share, like, financial problems, other type of things. Let's discuss them and work with each other to build each other up. And if you guys have certain questions and, you know, They'll give, give us a chance to start maybe researching for, you know, some good scripture verses to prepare it as opposed to off the top of our head type of stuff. But, you know, we're here to build up one another, to build up our marriage relationships. But in order to do that, we need to know where people are struggling. Uh, because where you're struggling, somebody else's may have already gone through that and have come out on the other side. And that's what we're here to do, to help people come through that. Uh, so... Think about that, you know, tonight, you can tell me, email, uh, email Dan, Jeff, Mark, go through the Facebook thing, put things out there to, you know, 
we'll get into those things in a couple weeks. Uh, what does it mean the two shall become one flesh? Are we two separate people when you're married? Or are we one? Husband and wife, you know, work together. We're not separate entities. Oh, yes. That, think of the triangle. No. the husband and the father is, you know, are the decisions we make, we're making, is it best for us, not for me? Uh, you know, when you're making those decisions, are you thinking, oh, well, this is good for me and bad for my wife? You know, you're one. Are you trying to, you know, in essence, you're hurting yourself. If you're doing things that will, the decision that you make that hurts your wife, you're really hurting yourself. We're, we're, we're one. A husband and wife are one. You should have the same goal. You know, you're not working, you know, separately. You're working together. Uh, questions or thoughts before we get to the table discussion? Okay. Have fun with those questions. And then we'll get back and a little bit about them.